0: Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, we're in this series called Trusting God in the Unknown. We're going to go back to the story of Moses. It's rare that I promote one of my teachings or sermons, but I want to encourage you, if you didn't listen or watch last week's message, I want to encourage you to go and watch it sometime. Not, not now. I've got a current message today, but go back and watch it. I think it will help you, uh, especially in the times that we're living in. Uh, there's a lot of pain and a lot of wounds all around us. We're going to talk about the wounded life today. I'm intrigued by the life of Moses as a leader. I'm intrigued about the fact that he went only so far and wasn't able To lead the children of Israel into the promised land. I'm intrigued by his own wounds and hurts of his life. But before I get there, I don't know if you've ever been to Sequoia National Park. It's a beautiful spot. Uh, My wife and I were married, I think, less than a year, and we got to go there on a trip. This is pre kids, you know, uh, PK days. And uh, she was raised in a camping, outdoorsy family. Not me, I was just a city slicker, and uh, bears and mountain lions and all of that uh, were a little bit daunting to me, and camping out in a little tent was a little bit much, but she had it all dialed in. Well, rather than me telling you about my lack of camping skills, that's another story for another time, one of the things that we saw at Sequoia, and I was amazed at first sight at looking at the General Sherman tree believed to be the largest living tree in the world. Over 2,000 years old, over 275 feet tall. That's that's almost a football field (laughs) taken from horizontal and brought vertically up. Uh, Scientists say that the General Sherman tree is so big, it has its own ecosystem. Over 27 feet around in diameter. But you know, something else about these trees is about the rings that are on the inside of them. And when you cut a a tree open, you're going to see these rings that really uh, can be tied to years and life and sometimes decades or centuries. Inside the rings, you can also know in a tree if it was a growth season, a season of great rain, a season of drought, if the tree was hit by lightning, if the tree came and overcame fires in its midst, you can cut the tree apart and see its inside and know where it's been wounded, know when it's been healed, know when it's been blessed, or know when it's been diminished. Wouldn't it be something if we could do that with our own lives? To somehow open up our soul and look at the, the rings, the wounds, as it were, in our lives, the blessings, as it were. When we think about Father's Day, it's, it's a difficult day for some people because their dads are gone. I remember when I was growing up, there was a kid on my street. His father passed away when this kid was six years old. His mother then passes away when he's 11, and he lives the rest of his life with his grandparents. They were great, wonderful grandparents, but he always had a hole in his heart, especially on Father's Day or Mother's Day or his own personal birthday the loss that he felt. And we've all had seasons of loss, a a deal that went south, a a person that said, you can count on me, and then, well, the going got tough and they got going far away from you. Or maybe it's the last time a spouse closed the door and said, I'm out, I'm out of here. Or the absence of hearing a parent tell you that you were loved. Or maybe, maybe there's a ring of a wound where You were touched by someone in ways that they had no right to touch you as you were growing up. Maybe you were violated by someone or maybe you're dealing with the wound of prejudice or racism or being labeled by someone, something that you're not. I think for sure 2020 will have its own ring for us. The ring of COVID-19, the the ring of chaos, the ring of protest the ring of uncertainty, the ring of, well, some have called this year the year of mayhem, the year of mayhem. How many wounds do you have in your soul? How many wounds are in your body? How many wounds would we see if we could see the rings? And what would a definition of a wound be? Well, let me give you this one. There are many, but this one I think fits where we're at talking about Moses today. A wound is a deep sense that there is a core part of me that's unlovable, unaccepted, and unwanted. A wound is a deep sense that at the core part of my being, there's a part of me that's unlovable or unaccepted, unaccepted, and unwanting. But you know, there's a beautiful thing about Jesus Christ. When you cut to the gospel, if you could cut the rings of the gospel open, you'll find a God who says, you are lovable. I love you with an everlasting love. For God so loved the world he gave. And then when we think about being unaccepted, the Bible tells us that we're accepted in the beloved one or Christ. And if anybody would think that they're unwanted, a quick read of John 15 where Jesus says, You didn't choose me, I chose you and called you to bear fruit, fruit that would remain. You see, in all of those things that we could deal with emotionally and psychologically, Christ can answer those by going to the cross and saying, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they do. Or these great words that he said, it is complete or it is finished in me. See, a wound is an injury to the core of our being that seems to have the power to forever affect us. It's something to the core of our being that seems to have the power to forever affect us. It's a filter that we process life through, we perceive life through, we, we relate to people through. That's why you could have someone who declares themselves, labels themselves to be unlovable. You could have the most loving people around them and they can't receive that love because there's this wound. There's this label that they said, nobody would want me. And even though people around them invite them, include them, and want them, they always live with this dark cloud over them that they're not wanted, that they're not accepted. Now, if we go back to the life of Moses, we could see him as a superhero or a phenomenal leader, but I also think he's a case study for emotional wounds. Remember as a child, Moses didn't have any idea how God was going to use him in a significant way. So let's imagine. Let's imagine your living room, your your office, your car, wherever you're watching this from, or or this this sanctuary. We're going to turn it into a support group. And it's his first night. And he walks in from the back of the room, and everybody's checking him out because they're in a circle, and here he is walking in the room. He's asked to introduce himself and tell his story. Hi, I'm Moses. And everybody in the room would would respond back, Hi, Moses! (laughs) Here's my story. I was born in a hostile environment. There There was this really evil, insecure king who was threatened by the growing numbers of Hebrews around him. So he ordered every newborn baby boy to be killed. And when I was about three months old, my mom made a basket, put me in the basket. Now, looking back, I had no idea God was at work because, see, sometimes you can't see him working and you believe he's not at work. So here I am in this little basket among the reeds on the river bank. And there was something, as I look back now, amazing about My mom, how she set things up, even my sister. Oh, you'll you'll hear about it as I tell you the rest of my story. (laughs) My mom must have saw something in me. My mom must have believed something about God, how he was going to use me. See, the good news is I didn't die like, like many other boys did. The powerful, strange thing happened that day. A princess, a very successful, powerful, significant person, Picked me up out of the side of the reeds of the Nile River. She had compassion on me and adopted me into her home. But the story gets a little wilder because she knew I needed to be nursed. (laughs) She summoned my sister who just happened to be standing nearby (laughs) to go find a woman that could nurse me. If you don't know my story, you will never believe it. But my sister went and found my mom. (laughs) My mom nursed me. My actual mom. God was working. Even when I didn't see Him working, looking back, I see the hand of God in all of it now. But at the time, it was just flat out confusing. The princess is Pharaoh's daughter who adopted me, was not even one of my people. She was an Egyptian and I was an Israelite. But she named me Moses. You know what my name means? From the waters he was drawn. (laughs) Or found him in the river. She was ethnically, racially, and religiously different from me in every way. So I spent the first 40 years of my life never really belonging with the people that raised me. I was different from them. I, I didn't fit in. I wasn't like the other kids. I was part royalty and part slave. And it wasn't easy being me. For the first 40 years of my life, the very core part of my soul felt unaccepted, unloved, and unwanted. I just wanted to belong, but I never felt like I fit in. I realized I. I felt wounded along the way and picked up some other wounds in my life. I ended up dealing with all kinds of issues. And by the way, my confession is I have an anger control problem and a high level of insecurity that affects everything in my life. It's going to affect the rest of my story. My name is Moses. Thanks for welcoming me in your group and for listening to my story. Now, what did Moses do with the wounds of his life? See, Moses compensated for his wounds, and he did it in multiple ways, like many people do today. They, They might educate themselves, they might medicate themselves. They might come up with some kind of way to, well, appropriate for the time we live in, to mask their problems. Acts 7, Luke writes in Acts 7.22 about Moses. He said Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He knew their inner workings. He knew their history. He knew how they related to each other, how they felt. But he was also powerful in speech and in action. I mean, this guy was a great orator. He was a great motivational speaker. He he could turn a phrase. He could motivate the crowd. And isn't it interesting that when God calls Moses to be the deliverer of Israel, the first thing Moses says is, I stutter. I mutter. (laughs) I'm not a good speaker. Find someone else. Isn't it odd that Luke would say in the book of Acts, That Moses was an incredible speaker. But before we throw rocks at Moses, how many times have we been called by God to do something where he knows we have the gifts, the talents, and the resources, and we push back on God and say, no, God, you've got the wrong person. Please remember, where God guides, he provides. Where God calls, he enables. Now, here's the point. For the first 40 years of Moses' life, he's wounded, but he compensates with education, with intellect, with powerful speech, and with leadership abilities. He could have written all the John Maxwell leadership books because he understands what it was to be a leader. But the truth is, deep down inside his soul, he just wanted to belong. And he knew his DNA didn't fit the Egyptian DNA. He was a Hebrew. He was an Israelite. In Acts 7.23, he goes on to say, when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. His answer was, I'll go back to my own people. For sure, they're going to welcome me in with open arms. They're going to know and recognize my, my Hebrewness, and they're going to let me be a part of their community. Well, in Acts 7, verse 24 to 25, Luke writes this He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. This Egyptian was coming against an Israelite, and so Moses says, I know what I'll do. I'll have him killed. And in so doing, they'll see me. They'll see me as a rescuer and as a hero, and they'll wrap their arms around me. <laughs> Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not amazing they did not the very thing he wanted the very thing he longed for even committing murder in the defense of an israelite didn't work for him so here's 40 year old moses a wounded guy with the rings of his soul showing those wounds In a midlife crisis, if you would, making his first attempt to find healing for his wounds. And instead, it just becomes a deeper infliction of pain. And the Bible says in Acts 7, 29, that Moses fled to Midian where he settled as a, there's that word, foreigner. He didn't fit in. And so, for the next 40 years, he's on the backside of the desert, he's tending to sheep His skin is grown brittle from the sun. His fingers down to the bone, taking care of the sheep. This is a man that God was working on and trying to get to understand that God had a plan for him. So the next 40 years, there he is, a foreigner. Then, and you know this story, Moses has this incredible burning bush encounter with God. The most amazing bush of all time, being burned but not consumed, being more beautiful than ever. And from that bush, he speaks to Moses and says, Moses, I'm paraphrasing, I have a plan for your life. I wonder if God wanted to also say, quit goofing it up, Moses. Quit being so insecure, Moses. I'm with you. Be secure in the calling of God. But Moses learned how to camouflage his wounds with achievement. I'll show you. I'll educate myself. I'll show you. I'll prove things to you. How many times have we run from God trying to prove something to someone else? How many times have we gone the wrong way to try to fit in with our peers? You know what I know about God? I'm not an expert. I'm not a Bible scholar, though I study the Word. I'm not a psychologist, but I know that God is an open-heart surgeon. He only works on hearts that are open. Like those man crates I showed you earlier, the little crowbar. God doesn't have a crowbar. He doesn't pry his way in. He just says, open your heart to me. Just believe by faith. Just open your life. Just surrender to me, and I'll come in and do the work. It's like David said in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Or like the psalmist says in Psalm 139, God, search me, search me, and see if there's any wicked way inside of me, any anxious thoughts inside my heart. What we need to do as as followers of Christ, we need to invite the search. Allow God into our hearts to do his work. I don't know who said this, but it's a great quote. The greatest work God will do through you is the result of the work he's allowed to do in you. The greatest work God will ever do through you is the result of the work that he's allowed to do inside your soul. If you're hurting, you're going to end up hurting people. If there's toxic pain inside your heart, I'll guarantee you, your life will be filled with the spewing of toxicity everywhere. It's just what happens. And Moses goes and courageously rises up and leads the people out of their slavery in Egypt. And on the journey toward the promised land, there are eight different accounts where the people rebel against Moses. And every time they rebelled, he felt unloved. He felt unaccepted. He felt unwanted. If you've ever led anything in your life, you know what I'm talking about. If you lead your household, you know what I'm talking about. If you lead a company or a platoon or a unit or if you've ever led a little league team or an ASO soccer team, you know what I'm talking about. There's pushback. There's people who don't want to go the way you want to go. And eight different times. God had told Moses, this is what you need to do. This is how you need to do it. And there was rebellion, and it was like salt in the wounds of Moses' soul. You're not one of us, Moses. You don't belong here, Moses. Weren't you a part of Pharaoh's palace, Moses? Who are you, Moses? What's your identity, Moses? And they resented Moses for bringing them out into the wilderness. Matter of fact, at one point, the children of Israel say, we'd be better off back in Egypt in slavery than being here led by you. And if that weren't enough, Moses' brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, they begin to talk against him too and gossip behind his back. That had to be deeply painful for his life. So now the people are thirsty yet once again. Out in this desert. And God has miraculously quenched their thirst before. So Moses comes to God and says, "Uh, What do I do now, God? Give me the game plan. And God says, Moses, you go speak to the rock. You command it to bring forth water, and I'll cause springs of fresh water to flow from the rock. And in Numbers chapter 20, we see what Moses does. Then Moses raised his arm, and what did he do? He struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out. And the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Wow. God said, speak to the rock Moses, and Moses, and I submit to you, out of the anger of his heart, to rebellious people, the wounds of his soul, instead of speaking to the rock that water would come, he takes the, the rod and he bangs it and strikes it. Instead of speaking, he strikes it with his staff twice. Moses, you're not going to go into the promised land because you hit the rock. You ever want to ask the question? As I was intrigued with Moses' life, I began to ask this question. Why did he hit the rock? Did he forget what God said? Was he confused? No, I think he hit the rock because he was angry and because he was mad. Remember, whatever is inside of you is going to come out of you. His frustration, he'd had enough rejection, he couldn't take it anymore, I can't stand no more, and it seeped out of him. He was wounded when he was 40 and tried to reach out to his community that rejected him. He became a foreigner for the next 40 years, and God found him, and Moses accepted the call, believing that the people would finally accept him and welcome him in. As he becomes their deliverer. Instead, they complain, even his own brother and his sister. Now, what does this have to do with us as we trust God in the unknown? Well, how are you doing? How's your soul? If we could cut open your heart and look at the rings of your life, have you dealt with the wounds of your soul? You see, I have a Savior named Jesus who sent the Holy Spirit to us to be our comforter and our counselor. I have a Savior named Jesus who didn't just die for my sins, as wonderful as that is, and offer me eternal life. I have a Savior named Jesus who says, I come to give you life and and life more abundant. He wouldn't just say, I come to give you life and deal with your wounds on your own. Deal with your own psychological issues, emotional issues, and rejection. No, I am here to to totally rebuild you from the inside out. And I would submit to you, especially in this crazy season that we're living in, that we should invite Jesus Christ to do his work in us, to restore broken families, I know families who've gone decades fractured and fragmented. I know grandparents who are disallowed from seeing their grandkids. And God's not pleased with the fractures. I know people that today can't seem to get along. And people, as I said earlier, that are labeling people with a label that doesn't fit. The infections of the wounds in America today are rising. And at some point, for some of us, we'll take those wounds and shove them underground. By the way, nothing unhealthy should go underground because the writer of Hebrews tells us that if we take bitterness and put it underground, it will grow and take root and defile not just us, but many around us. So before we end this, what's the path to healing? Well, as I study it, here's one thing that I see. That we, number one, need to tell the truth to God and ourselves. To be honest to God. To expose some of the rings in our life. To to point out to our woundedness and to say to God, Lord, this is what I see inside me. And even to invite the search. Lord, what do you see inside my heart that needs to be changed? I love what Max Lucado says and this section of one of his books is called Honest and True. And here he says, one day it dawned on me I'd become the very thing I hate. Lucito says, I became a hypocrite, a pretender, a two-faced. I'd written sermons about people like me, Christians who care more about their appearance than their integrity. And I knew what I needed to do. I, I'd written sermons about that too. I needed to go to, to God. And then he says in 1 John 1, 8, and 9, he quotes this verse, and I will quote it too, that if we say we have no sin, we're fooling ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, I love that, he will forgive us our sins because we can trust God to do what is right. Who's fooling who? God already knows our sins. I think we could also say that if we confess our weaknesses to God, he can give us his strength. If we confess our hurt and our pain to God, he can bring us healing. He will forgive our sins because we can trust God to do what is right. Max goes on to say that I needed to confess. What is confession? (laughs) Well, confession is not complaining. If I merely recite my problems and rehash all my woes, then all I'm doing is whining. I love this definition of confession. Lucado says, confession is a radical reliance upon grace. Let me say it again. Confession is a radical reliance upon grace. I rest on your unchanging grace. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. The confession is a radical reliance upon his grace. Mukeda goes on to say, maybe you need to do what I've done the last few days. You just need to confess because God will hear your confession. He will hear your cry. He will hear your pain. You see that grace creates an honest confession. And that great grace allows us to receive the blessing of God. I was looking up wounds wounded people. And I came across the story of our 20th U.S. president, James Garfield. I don't know if you know much about Garfield, but he was one of a handful of presidents that were shot. He was shot four months into his presidency. But what killed him? Not the bullet. The assassin tried, but what killed him? Not the bullet. What killed him was the wound that the bullet created and as they dug around his body to find the bullet itself, they kept irritating and causing infection into the wound and it was his infected wound that ended taking his life. See, if we don't locate the wound and deal honestly with ourselves and with God about our wounds the infection will kill our souls a healthy inner being requires an honest heart no doubt you've heard this statement revealing your feelings is the beginning of healing what did lucado say confession is not complaining or whining we hear people do that all the time yeah You approach them about their issue. It's that person's fault. It's this person's fault. It's it's my parents, and I had this happen when I was a kid. And you know what I say? Go to God and let God heal you. Sure, Christian counseling is great, too, and good, trusted friends are great. But every once in a while, we have to get to the place where we tell some of those friends that come around us that want us to commiserate with their pain. Sometimes we got to tell them, it's time. Time for what? No, it's time. Time for what? It's time to let it go. It's time to stop giving those people from the past so much power in your life. If you've been around LFC any length of time, you've heard me talk about a few teachers that spoke into my life. I am so glad they were wrong. One teacher said, Bernie Fetterman, you're going to end up in prison someday. Wasn't that nice? wasn't that comforting, you know? Someone else said, I don't think you'll ever amount to very much. You know, you better go out and learn how to dig ditches. You're never going to be successful. I thought, wow. I'm so glad they were wrong. Let me say it again. I'm so glad they were wrong because God had a different plan. See, we can blame the past. We can blame people or we can come and Reveal our feelings for the beginning of our healing. Number two, we have to be open and receptive to God's healing. Stop saying, I'll take care of it myself, or stop making it like a comfort blanket. I just carry my pain around because it just feels so good. It feels normal in a time that's abnormal. Rather than saying, I'm going to release it to the Lord and let his love and his grace come and fill me. I love what 2 Corinthians 7, 9, Paul says is the living Bible version. Now I'm glad, not because it hurt you, but because the pain turned you to God. You see, God never wastes a hurt. And if that hurt draws us to the Lord, thank God for the hurt. Don't despise anything that drives you to your knees and a surrender posture before God. And the last thing I think is so important, don't wait until you're healed to heal others. How often do we hear people say, when I, when I get better, when, my life get, when I get my life together, then I will. How about we just do it now? You see, the, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 1.4, why does God do this? So that when others are troubled, needing our sympathy and encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort that God has given to us. We've been reconciled to be reconcilers. We've been Comforted, so we can take that same comfort and give it away. And it doesn't say we have to be totally whole to do that. It doesn't say that we have to be perfect to do that because none of us are. I'm certainly not. But it says that God in us allows us to serve others around us while we're getting better and while we're getting healed. I think it's good. God wants us to comfort others. There's a group of us that are, are taking some courses from New Hope Christian College, and on Thursday night, we meet together on a cohort, and somebody actually asked the question, why did God save us? And with that, there was a response in the Zoom chat that said, God saved us, so we'd save others. I believe in that wholeheartedly. God's redeemed his people so we could help redeem the world. That's what the church is all about, bringing people to Jesus Christ. I want you to know today that the God of the universe has compassion on your pain. He didn't send a baby in a basket down the Nile River to be our deliverer, but he did send the baby into a manger named Jesus Christ who grew up to be our deliverer. He took our wounds Himself. He took our pain on Himself. And by His stripes, I declare this, we are healed in Jesus Christ. Let us pray. God, today we come with our wounds, our hurts and our pain, the gashes on the inside that nobody ever gets to see. And today, instead of hiding them, Lord, we bring them to You. You invite us to bring all our concerns and our cares, our sickness and our pain upon You because You're able to heal us. Lord God, may we all open ourselves to the activity of Your healing in our lives and through our lives. Thank You that You love us. There's not a person on this planet You don't love, not a person on this planet that is unwanted by heaven, not a person on this planet That is unacceptable. Because as we come to you, you accept us. You love us. You accept us. You forgive us. You give us a place in your kingdom. And just as we come to you today, we say, Jesus, heal us. And maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've never allowed him to be your savior. You could do that even before we say amen. You could simply say, Lord, I give you my life. I believe in you. I believe you died on a cross. I believe you rose again from the dead. And I desire your salvation for me and for my household. Thank you that you gave your life. And thank you that you rose again from the dead. May that same power that caused Christ to rise from the dead dwell inside of us. That we can rise up and be the people that you've called us to be. If this is your day to give your life to Christ, I... I encourage you to make another confession, and I can help you do this technologically too. You can text DECIDE JESUS, all one word, to 555-888, and we'd love to respond to you and celebrate with you. We also have a free yes packet that we'll send you with some great uh, material in it. There's also a CD in there with some teaching about salvation and baptism. We want you to have it. It's just our gift to you. And I want to remind you this Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, we're going to be back in the Psalms on live stream and Facebook Live, our study in the Psalms, and this Friday night with worship and prayer, 6 o'clock, both Facebook Live and live stream. But I want to give you a challenge before we go. Here's the challenge. I would like you to either DM or direct message us on Facebook or email our office, office at lawbookforscore.com, or... Go to milefc.com and fill out a prayer uh, form because I would like to personally pray for you in regards to the wounds in your heart that you're giving to Jesus for him to heal you. And if it's not a confidential request, we will share it with our prayer team, our staff. We are going to commit to praying for you this week and watch God do a miracle in your life. Allow us to do that with you as you share your wounds with us. Last but not least, dads, happy Father's Day to you. And thank you for being a part of LFC today. God bless you. We'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.